Hello again. Hi. <laughs> I thought your audio was quiet, but it turned out that my headphones were just very quiet. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. Uh, how are you, anyway? Yeah, not too bad. I've had quite a hectic day, to be honest. I'm just kind of like taking a moment, like, chill, but yeah, Chilling it's been out. good. I've got a bit done, so that's cool. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little lethargic. Don't know why. I think it's the weather. Potentially yeah. the weather. Um, I think everyone I spoke to this week has been, everyone's just said it's just been a little bit meh, a little bit yeah. low energy. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, my podcast is fairly unstructured. So okay. I, I will warn you. I- which case welcome to yelling at concrete podcast kim oh. yeah. um, so you said you recorded a podcast recently i did yeah i did one with a polyesterzine sort of like a independent zine um about it's a series they're doing with creatives where they just choose somebody to talk about something that they're obsessed with so i picked horror films but it was a really good chat actually um we like the girl who was interviewing me um she'd recently just written a paper on um like gender and uh, social politics in horror films which kind of nicely bounced off some of the things that i wanted to talk about so yeah that should be i'm not sure when that's out actually but it was yeah i just like talking about things that i'm obsessed with so it was that's enjoyable good. that's good no it plays into the themes of this podcast where i basically just let the guest pick the topic because then we can yeah it's a, yeah similar deal sure we can discuss i was trying to figure out if we'd ever actually spoken in person um <laughs> like not to be rude but i just i might have been drunk and i just forgot <laughs> well no because so i know i know of your work um because mm-hmm. i was listening you i, I class you as an illustrator because that's what you class yourself as online is that fairly accurate yeah definitely. yeah um, so I know your work from um, seeing it at Zinefest in Nottingham. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 I was there, yeah. And seeing that, um, and I remember thinking it was like, seeing your work, and, but then me at Zinefest, I, I tend to just like shut down anyway because I hate talking to strangers. Um, <laughs> and it's always one of those, it's weird, I hate talking to strangers. Yeah, I hit people up and say, hey, do you want to come talk for an hour? This, this, to counterbalance. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, can't, I remember, I was like, oh, I feel like I'd seen you again at some point, but I couldn't remember if we'd ever spoken in person, you just, whereas you're a person whose work who I followed, because you've got a, a, a style, which I really appreciate. Um, and I was like, yeah, it'd be interesting to get you on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely at that scene. <laughs> yeah, that's as much as I can remember. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so, I mean, for, for anyone kind of listening, what would you describe what you do as? Which I know is a hard question. Um, so basically, I'm probably known more on platforms like Instagram for my personal work. Ultimately, I'm a freelance illustrator. So I do my main work that I do is sort of commercial illustration and live art. So, you know, I do bits of like branding and things like that. And all sorts of really storyboarding, book illustration, um, live art portraiture and workshops and things. So that's my main work. But then on the side, I've kind of got um, an outlet for my personal work, which is more 
just um yeah I make illustrations which are basically about empowered women a lot of the time um really influenced by kind of just retro kitsch like trash exploitation aesthetic um yeah. mixture of kind of modern like my ethos is you know kind of very social modern commentary and politics and that combined with a sense of nostalgia and like the fun of you know kind of 60s 70s 70s aesthetic i find because I, I like your stuff because it kind of it treads a line which i've never been able to find of being like artistically led because illustration that kind of thing but also enough within a graphic design realm to be kind of bold and postery like that like vintage and and, and all this kind of retro future stuff um whereas i i always like I, every time i get into kind of like anything bold and graphic i automatically go no i can't do this and i, I put that aside where it's like if it's sketchy and messy i'm all over that but if it's if it's graphic in any way, I just struggle with it. So whenever I see kind of it executed well, I'm like, yes, this is great. This is what it should be. Well, it's interesting you think that because it's. I suppose you don't really stop and think about the way that your work necessarily comes across when you're making it. And I really mm. like hearing other people describe it. So I find it really hard to describe what I do. Like you just have to be there. I'm thinking, what is it that I do? And you know, Good question. They all describe it to me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, I think you've nailed it. Like that's kind of what I'm trying to go for, a sense of, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I'm, you know, I've spent a lot of time absorbing kind of that, I guess the graphic poster thing makes a lot of sense. I've just got so much kind of mentally stored in terms of just that particular style of old film posters and, mm. you know, big posters and things like that. So everything ends up in this particular format, which probably refer- references that. But then my background is fine art and painting and things like that so it's kind of a combination of those two really i was gonna say like is this a style which you've kind of always done like is this back when you kind of like started making things was it always in your head of like yeah pop culture poster go down that kind of lead or was it more you kind of developed it along with your other interests yeah i think it definitely has developed particularly over the last maybe sort of four years um I definitely didn't start out making art that looked like this I'll have to like maybe share some on one of my platforms because it's there's quite I think I started to develop a style I studied illustration at Manchester Met University and I think that's when I started to develop a style but this was like gosh ages ago early 2000s and there was a really distinctive way it's funny how like trends happen in illustration I think the whole naive art movement and things like David Shrigley and you know like artists who were quite just raw and it wasn't necessarily about technique um that was quite popular so I think I had a bit of a period of making this quite dark scratchy biro stuff didn't really know how to use color you know I'd always do things in black and white wasn't using like inks and brushes at all so that was the beginning of like my sort of foray into illustration and it's completely different it was a lot probably a lot darker in a way that I don't know if it's just a bit embarrassing now (laughs) I have to drag it out and have a look um yeah i think it's taken a while if i'm honest yeah it's definitely taken a while to hone it down into i don't know i suppose like as a creative yourself it takes it's it's hard to be satisfied isn't it a lot of the time with what you've created and decide right i think as well that you kind of you end up in that or at least i i definitely end up in a trap of not wanting to be um like typecast for my artwork 
and I worry about kind of doing the same thing over and over again. And I mean, I've, I've shown work to people before and they said, oh yeah, you can tell it's by you. And instantly in the back of my head, I'm like, shit, <laughs> you shouldn't be able to tell it's by me. I've tried to give something differently. Um, well, I, mean, uh, I think that, that isn't necessarily always a bad thing to have a strong visual yeah. style. But I know what you mean. If you deliberately try and kind of steer away from yeah. something. Yeah. I, I think as well, like, especially when you kind of, you get to doing it like professionally like you do with kind of freelance work as well I think especially for younger artists they don't realize it takes a lot of time to kind of develop to that point where it's like yeah this is what I I'm known for this is the the work which people know me for oh god yeah it really does and I think that's a really important point to raise especially I mean things have changed a huge amount since I, I graduated in god show me 2007 I think it was and there wasn't, you know, like we weren't taught about things like social media and mm-hmm. you didn't have it really. I didn't even have a laptop. So I just did everything, yeah. you know, very kind of um, analog and it was just a different world. And I remember being so kind of stressed out by the notion of finding, you know, like visual identity and almost just there were a handful of people around me who I admired who would manage to find it quite quickly. Yeah. I think that's actually quite rare. And I think even just the fact of, you know, I spent a lot of years after you know I didn't go straight into making art I'd do it on the side but you know I spent time on the dole and then just you know kind of doing odd temp jobs a lot of admin and I think just trying to figure out what it was I wanted to do with my illustration and just gradually building up contacts and constantly working in my spare time and it's not for most people it's not a straight road so I guess that shouldn't deter people from you know like wanting to keep going because it just takes a bit of time really yeah i think there's there's definitely there's, there's a balance to be struck i think is is the way i always put it because I, I mean like i i took a very, very quite a similar route i mean i studied uh photography and film at university um and i, I wanted to go into all of that and i wanted to make films and when i came out uh we were in the the classic double recession um well, <laughs> it was kind of well what do i do where do i get a job and i live in uh, lincolnshire so there is no media jobs uh, so I, again, I started doing temp work and and doing. I, I set up my own kind of t-shirt business, and it was through that I actually started getting back into making artwork. Um, and then even now, like my full-time job isn't isn't necessarily creative. Is that this is just all stuff I do on the background to keep going. Um, I think it's that's the important thing. It's like I don't think it's it's bad to have you know like different. Hmm. methods of making a living as long as you can manage some sort of creative outlet you know it's not like a I don't think it's weird I think people especially as a student I think I almost assumed that there was this very straightforward trajectory but even just finding the work just takes you know time to kind of try things out figure out what it is your strengths are like meet people you know kind of talk to people who might want you to do something for them and just Mm -hmm. yeah like working out what's feasible and yeah there's a lot that goes into getting to the point where you can kind of comfortably maybe say right this is what I do this is who I am and like this is what I'm going to put it towards yeah I think as well like as well, <laughs> you kind of get to a point of where you feel like you have to declare that you're an artist now that you do <laughs> you do it so long as like oh this is just what I do in my spare time or this is something which I'm kind of working on or this is the work I make, but I'm actually just, you know, I'm an accountant and I go do that and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then at some point you're like, no, actually at some point on my profile, I should write, I'm an artist. Like this, this is part of what I do. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really weird. Like I've had a lot of conversations about this and there's like, 
I guess it's partly imposter syndrome as well. I think a lot of creative people perhaps aren't entirely comfortable with claiming it. I don't know why, even if you've been doing, like, I mean, I've been doing art in some form for like basically my entire life. But whenever people ask me what I do, there's a bit in the back of my mind that just feels a bit stupid being like, oh, you're an artist. So, like, I, not like it's not real or I don't know, like I can't justify, even though I am, it just feels yeah. a bit awkward to say so. I think no, I think that's a, that's a truth of kind of doing art though. I think as soon as you start to explain it, it sounds ridiculous. It's yeah. it's the same with like when you kind of explain um kind of doing any work when someone's like, you know, oh so you've drawn this, fantastic. W- what's it about? As soon as you start to kind of deconstruct it, you're like it sounds ridiculous because it sounds so simple and it's taken me a year and a half to produce <laughs> this piece of work and they're standing there going, why did this take you a year and a half? This is this is fairly straight to the point it's like yes but it took me a year and a half to figure out how to say it in a single sentence (laughs) (laughs) and I think that's true of like being an artist um I mean so I mean that's a good kind of good good segue nice segue um into what we kind of discussed as a topic which was looking at uh kind of comics and graphic novels yeah is that something which you has like did you I guess a question did you know about comics and graphic novels before you started drawing or were you drawing and then someone handed you comics? Um, a bit of a combination. Like as a kid, my brother used to be obsessed with like Beano comics and he was, mm. he had like a, you know, news agent, you'd get like a subscription and he used to get them in every week and I'd just read them when he'd finished with them. So I think I was always, I was kind of interested in sequential storytelling from that point, you know, like as a kid. Um, and I used to kind of make my own little books and stuff. So like, not necessarily, yeah, sort of like illustrated little stories and things. I was obsessed with making those. Um, but I suppose like the comics and graphic novels side of things, I only really got into probably sort of a few years after uni when I came across, um, was a combination of things. I think I had done a kind of like paid internship with Lime Pictures, which is the production company which makes things like Hollyoaks and Anyways mm. Essex, like all those classic shows. And I got off the back of that to do some art department for a film. It was a BBC film for kids. Um, and it was one of those roles where you're doing a bit of everything. And I got to do some storyboarding. So okay. I think just kind of noticing the correlation between storyboarding and, you know, kind of telling a story in that way. Oh. You may have lost parallels in just started to see that as an art form that would be really useful to me but also really enjoy the um the storytelling element of it as well I think as a sort of form of telling just explaining a narrative graphic novels are kind of at the forefront for me I think they do a really good job of it so that's quite I'd say that's quite late in life to kind of pick up graphic novels and comics yeah I mean I I I, I guess I'm quite similar to your brother in the sense of so me and my brother used to have we used to have Beano and Dandy those were like the two magazines we used to get always get he used to get the Beano and I used to get the Dandy and then my mum introduced us to like used to be able to get singlets which were like small square ones um and there was like it was basically singular comics from those episodics which would come out and there was one called Banana Man and that was like everything which I wanted to be um but then i yeah kind of from that that led me into more serious um kind of like graphic 
and story arcs. But then my brother was obsessed with like Americana. So he was obsessed with the idea of getting like Marvel and DC comics and, and everything like that. Um, but then, I mean, let's say your, your work you describe as kind of folk horror. Yeah, I'd say that's a big part of it. That's sort of something that I'm always drawn to. Is that mixed in with like Americana and stuff? Because there's, um, there's a lot of that blend. It's funny because when you said Americana and then talked about the sort of comics, I think almost when I was younger, that's what I assumed comics to be. And I didn't realise you could have like graphic novels and, you know, there was this whole other world of comics. So and I've never been super, super drawn to particularly superhero centred stuff unless it's a bit dark, you know, mm. like I think, you know, there's obviously some incredible standout work within that that side of the genre. But um, yeah, I suppose that kind of maybe is what put me off a bit which is really weird like I can appreciate that format now but the Americana linked to folklore I would say that folklore to me is actually something quite distinctly British I guess yeah. that's because of the films that I enjoy within the genre but yeah there's definitely a side of Americana folklore and folk horror that is it's just completely different you know like yeah I think particularly any sort of like a cult and witch trials type stuff you know you've obviously got like a large um, history of that in America as well so yeah I suppose that element of things and like any sort of yeah just um, there's some really good comics about you know like deep south and like just like yeah. weird satanic occult practice and stuff so I guess it kind of ties in yeah I find I always find it interesting kind of looking at when uh, US kind of artists pick up British things to kind of look at um, and when they kind of they because they're they, a lot of them get obsessed with kind of like the old medieval times and all the things which they didn't really have in the U.S. Whereas over here we kind of get obsessed with the bits which we didn't have and go oh you know cowboys and everything like that. It's like oh well we never we never had that here. So how do I get into that? And it's it's weird as we both look at each other's countries and go ooh we could borrow that and we can make stories about that and and, and yeah yeah. I'm very similar. Like, I never really got into, like, I got into superheroes, but only through, like, Batman. Yeah, definitely. And that was the only one which kind of picked up, and I went, yeah, I really want to know more about this guy. But it was because he was a guy. It wasn't like, oh, I'm, you know, able to run through walls. It was like, no, this is just a guy, and that's why I'm curious about him. <laughs> yeah, that sort of bit of realism that it doesn't seem really far-fetched. <laughs> yeah. Well, the same, I think, like, British comics as well. I think a lot of it, it never seemed anything kind of unrealistic because there always seemed to be like a weakness. There always seemed to be something which gave you that edge of realism or a little bit weird. Like even with Beano and Dandy, when you look back at through that stuff, you look at it and go, actually, most of this is fairly grotesque. Like stylistically, story-wise, it's, it's not like a, a, a clear cut and dry of what's right and wrong. Most of the stories follow bullies. And most of the stories follow like the outcast of society. You're like, hmm, I don't know, don't know what it what it picks up. Um, but do you have like a like a favorite graphic novel or like a go to artist? Oh, or is that gosh. too big of a question? I've <laughs> <laughs> got a bit of a pile at my feet that you know if okay. you want to reference in terms of your questions. But I'd say my maybe not necessarily a favorite because I've picked up a lot more along the way but I think the one that properly got me into graphic novels was um picking up um the Hernandez Brothers Love and Rocket series 
in my local library. I think I was like in my early 20s and that was, as I say, around the time that I was sort of becoming a storyboard artist as well. And that just completely blew my mind. I think what you're saying about um, elements of realism and sort of relatability and yeah, they're not always being like a clear, a clear sort of evil or good and you know like the, the character that you're supposed to back maybe shifting and you're mm. things like that um I hadn't really come across in that format before so just the combination of storytelling and just like completely expert penmanship like the Hernandez brothers who um kind of start created these comics they're just I think they all trained from a very very young age to just like draw the human figure and it, there's just like such a cleanness of line but then this kind of very like engaging, in-depth storytelling and cast of characters that are really fully fleshed out, which you kind of like go on a journey with. And I think there's something about that that's just stayed with me. So even though I've kind of come across a lot of artists who would be up there as really important, I'd say mm. that they were kind of instrumental in helping me to kind of delve deeper into graphic novels. That's no, interesting. It's interesting as well. You kind of like, you focused on the idea that they draw figures because obviously within your work you draw a lot of portraits and yeah and, and that's something which you you show like fantastic skill in and whereas i personally don't draw a lot of portraits it's just something which i i, I actively avoid it <laughs> so it's interesting yeah, I think to do I that avoid certain things for sure like i don't know what i just find people really really interesting and you know just there's something magic to me about being able to capture a mood or a person's you know, character and manner in just a really simple line drawing. And I think that definitely probably also, coming across their work probably also definitely made me think differently about how I drew, to be honest. And okay. just, you know, considering just drawing the human figure differently because they've just got this very specific, both of the Hernandez brothers who do illustrations have a specific um, style. That's interesting. As well, like, I think the way you create work or from my kind of view of when I see it as well it's like you you focus on figures which are obviously icons most of the time um but in their own right the way you draw them makes them look more mythical and more like I mean essentially makes them into characters it makes them into you know the kind of people you would throw into a graphic novel and go yeah this is this is the protagonist of this story um so I find that really interesting just kind of blending that together I mean, yeah, I'm so, sure it's been picked up along the way from comics, as you say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with with the whole kind of um, like retro, like future and and folk horror and everything like that, is there is there somewhere kind of within your your your, your background of media consumption, like some point where you were like, yeah, this this is this is for me, or like you watched a film, or is it just that kind of like that series of comics where you were like, yeah, this is this is how I want to go with this. <laughs> um, I think it's weird, like, to be honest, like, without going off topic too much, it's a combination of things. And I've been thinking about this, like, over the lockdown period and, you know, doing these different podcasts and talking about my interests. And I think um, my general interest in things, I'm really, really obsessed with just being spooked and, you know, okay. just kind of, just, like, weird battles between good and evil that aren't straightforward and, like... <laughs> I do wonder, and just like weird gore and stuff, and I find it almost soothing to watch horror films. And I've been reading about it and stuff, and having to think about what it is in my background that started it. And 
I was raised, I mean, I'm not, I'm not super religious now, but I was raised quite Christian and had all these sort of like kids, um, you know, like a Bible, but for children, it'd be all illustrated and stuff, but they wouldn't pull any punches, you know, relaying these yeah. kind of quite violent Bible stories. And I do wonder sometimes if that kind of sowed the seeds for like this enjoyment of horror and storytelling, because it's quite horrific, you know, like a lot of the stuff in the Bible is really, really scary. So yeah. And I had also when I was young, I had, you know, like older aunties, especially on my dad's side, when we'd visit them, I mean, they'd just put on horror films. <laughs> so like from quite a young age, you know, from the age of eight and stuff, I was seeing yeah. stuff that maybe I've been watching, like the, you know, Freddy Krueger films and Terminator films and just, you know, the thing, stuff like that. So I think it's probably more film that began it. And then when I was able to find that same sort of, line of just stuff that I was into in um, comics that's when I kind of got really hooked on particular styles of comic book as well okay do you find yourself like picking up the same types of comic books now then just like the same style same stories or you do you, are you one of those people who just like see something like yeah well, we'll try this or we'll try this and um, I think I'm quite particular like I tend to like stuff with a strong female lead um some sort of i like an element of fantasy but i also like gritty realism hmm. so things that it can be it doesn't have to be all of those things at once but i think those things always you know make me think oh, i'll give this a read but it's a combination of story and obviously the illustration itself is really really important to me but i do find that you know if i'm i've got a, a bit of a pal on the go at the moment i've treated myself to a few new ones since <laughs> Uh, lockdown just because i want to you know like just being on my phone all the time is doing that yeah. <laughs> you've got to you've got to got to have a little media collection as soon as lockdown clicks yeah, in like, yeah. i've got to have this little pile just order a few things just just in case you know <laughs> yeah exactly and yeah i definitely tend to just do a bit of a search of our best horror graphic novels or whatever from like the last few years so yeah a bit stuck in a a rut of doing that but i just really enjoy them so i was actually struggling i was because i was trying to think of the last kind of horror graphic novel i'd read and the only one i could think of was lock and key oh i love that series yeah and i'd, I'd but outside of that i've not really read anything horror graphic that i can remember that vividly said to me this is a horror apart from maybe from hell but that was like way yeah, back when yeah. when i was like real young and that's what got me into kind of alan moore and all that kind of delving of, of graphic novels um but in a way like it's it's quite strange i don't know if horror in graphic novels gets overshadowed like to me in film and, and other media it's, it's very at the front it's very this is going to be a scary movie or we're making a scary movie whereas in comics and sequential stuff it's kind of like i don't know if it just gets classified as horror or just gets classified to ones as like, oh no, this is just a comic book and then scary things happen in it. I don't know if you, you subconsciously read it and go, no, this is a horror graphic novel. Maybe that's just me overthinking it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely something that's maybe not as recognised as, you know, I don't know. I think there's, there's um, publishers like Dark Horse seem to specialise in mm. putting out really, really good um, horror comics. But yeah, it, I do find it harder to hunt down. It, it's not really like its own it's not really got its corner, I don't think, within like the world of graphic novels. I don't, you don't really necessarily, if you're hunting for them in a shop, there won't be like a horror section as such in the way that you might yeah. with films. Yeah, it's definitely not really 
maybe it's not like a huge or desired bit of the market yet but I do think it's really good for I think it's quite a difficult um genre to convey in a comic and when it's done well it's just mind-blowing it's like so yeah I think there's something quite visceral about really well done horror you know visual and literal storytelling I think in a way it's got like I mean you just kind of hit the nail on the head when you said it's quite a difficult thing to do within graphic novels I think you've kind of got within mystery and within kind of adventure and romance you can hide details and it's very visual and people look at it and go yeah you know I'm seeing visuals but I don't really know what's going on until I get the dialogue or vice versa whereas with horror because so much of it is about suspense as soon as you turn the page and you see a whole page it kind of ruins that suspense for you if you're not already kind of suspending reality and going, no, I'm focused on what I'm looking at as I go through this. Um, but then it's interesting to think, I think, because, I mean, in, in like Japan and manga, horror is huge. It's, it's like a huge, yeah. it's one of their main kind of tropes in a way. Um, I try and remember the name of the guy, which I recently read, a friend lent me a manga, uh, which was all about spirals. Oh, is Maki? Yeah, that, is it, so is it, yeah, and it was like with like the snails and the bodies and everything yeah. touch, you know, it's like that. And that again, I was like one of the, I did read a horror more recently than I thought I had completely forgotten. About. Um, but yeah, I was kind of reading that, and that was the, one of the first few times I read a graphic novel and been like, yeah, this is you know freaking me out, but it, it's a bombardment. <laughs> like it doesn't stop through the entire book. You just say, yeah. No, I'm, I'm I'm weirded out by this whole thing. <laughs> to me, that whole comic was kind of like a, a bombardment of imagery. Like you can't escape the horror in that one. Like even you, there's no like suspense to it. It's just a, an, an uneasy uneasy feeling throughout the entire thing. Um, but yeah, I think horror is quite hard to do visually. Yeah, I think he's really nailed it, and just he's got this weird. I'm a big fan of his work actually. He's just got a really weird. Um, way of tapping into you know bizarre psychological fears which it's not always obvious horror you know just things like um trypophobia just be like lots of little holes in things or you know just things that are so bizarre it feels like you've had a mental snap rather than straightforward traditional horror it's just sort of like a weird worm in your brain rather than yeah so i think he kind of just works really well there's a few films, like there's a, I don't know if you've seen the film of that comic, which I don't think works oh. quite as well. It would be a budgeting issue, but it's just a bit corny and not very scary. <laughs> but the comic itself is obviously brilliant and very scary. I didn't even know there was a film of that. Yeah, it's a weird sort of straight-to-DVD type thing. <laughs> I kind of want to see it. I, I might have to get hold of that. So me, me and one of my friends, we, um, we, have a, we essentially have a film club where we watch bad films, we go to CEX, we spend 50p and try and get as many films as we can under 50p. Um, so we end up watching a, a pile of B-movies. Um, recently we watched one, I think it was called The Recycler. And if, yeah, yeah, and most of them no one's ever heard of because they're terrible. Like, <laughs> but their, their big selling point was it had um, Malcolm McDowell on the front cover. Uh, from he was like, yeah, we, sorry, I was like, this could be pretty good. He's in it for 10 minutes at the beginning <laughs> of the film. And then the rest of the film doesn't include him at all. And it's so dull until we realize that, like a thing of you get to the end 
end 15 minutes of any bad film and that's where they blow all their budget and that's where it goes big and you're like yeah actually this is pretty good um but I, i'd recommend watching it if you like terrible films and like Maybe the, the beginning and the end. <laughs> yeah just skip the middle don't just watch the beginning watch the end of, of films um well that's quite, quite interesting though that it kind of loses something being translated to film which picks up horror quite easily in a way mm. um i mean that one in particular i'm trying to think of examples of stuff that it's worked i'm sure there are I mean, From Hell worked when that was yeah, adapted. Decent film, yeah. I think that was well handled, actually. But then that's to me that probably would have worked even without the graphic novel, because it's a yeah. it's a known story. It's nothing. It's nothing that original in terms of narrative, because it's the Ripper story. So you're basically just making a detective um, flick. I, mean, I I don't know, like there's there's comics which i know of where i get worried about them trying to adapt them mm. to screen um like uh so my my favorite graphic novel is arkham asylum um, oh yeah which is the the painted mixed media piece and i i'm in so much fear that one day someone's going to come and sit along and say they're going to make an arkham asylum film because i just don't think it'll work <laughs> Yeah, there is that, isn't there? Just when, you know, they run out of ideas and start butchering, well, like your beloved sort of, you know, classic graphic novels. Can you ignore it when they do that? There's a few that, um, I don't know, I'm sort of intrigued though. I think there's a few that, not necessarily always horror, but a few that have been done actually very well. Like I think the, um, I don't know if you saw the TV series of Watchmen, they did recently, which is obviously based on the comic, but it's kind of a follow-on from the film they did, which was kind of almost a frame-for-frame of Mm. the comic. But that was really, really well done and took the Alan Moore story in a direction that I think felt in line with what he was trying to do and it visually just felt right as well. And I think it's just so rare that that happens. I really enjoyed that series. Yeah, that was TV, so again, a bit different, but kind of worked. That is kind of interesting though, because I think like I'm so I'm a person who I didn't enjoy the Watchmen film. Yeah. I don't know why. I'd never read the graphic novel, and I watched the film, um, and I kind of watched it, and I was like, I did not get why people had lauded it as much as they did, um, and I had friends who tried to explain it to me, and I just couldn't see it. Something about it just didn't quite sit right with me, um, and then I read the comic, and I was like, yeah, the comic's great. I don't. I don't yeah. kind of get it but it's interesting when like a tv show manages to come in and do something like that because it's like um was it, is it Constantine a lot of people said the tv yeah. show of that was really good and I thought the film of that was quite good I don't think I've seen either I think I've read I've dipped into those comics but I've not seen the film or the tv so that might be good the films I like the film it's an act it's a Keanu Reeves flick with him playing a grizzled occult detective so you you've already kind of got like a few things where you're like this is probably going to be okay as an action yeah, film i've not i mean that's everything that i enjoy yeah <laughs> right <laughs> it's, it's like a little bow on it you're like yeah this is probably going to be okay um and yeah like it, it i don't i haven't read too much of the comics he's a character i know of but he's a character i know of from other series like when he's yeah. popped up in other things yeah trying to think if there's a 
there's a comic series about a kid, which is basically Harry Potter, but it's not Harry Potter, and I think it's by Neil Gaiman. Oh yeah, is it about magic? I'm sure it's something, something like that. I can't quite yeah. remember. But he pops up in that, and I know him more from that than I actually know him from his own stuff. I mean, I forgot all about that series, but you're right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. I know the one you mean as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I read a couple of those, but then yeah, they kind of came out, but then they those series have a habit of getting cancelled. <laughs> Yeah. This seems to be the way at the moment. Every, every comic book series starts one series and then gets cancelled. Um, I mean, have you have you ever thought about making a graphic novel, doing a graphic novel? Um, yes, a lot of times, but just always kind of realise it's a much bigger task than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I actually sort of like when I was um, just constantly temping and you know like hating my job, mm. I'd always just. I started making this comic and it was uh, it was really stupid. It was about like a um it was about this sort of like adopted he was like a detective with like sort of psychic power. Oh, I don't know, it's so stupid. It's um just very style of substance and basically probably subconsciously just stealing a lot of ideas from David Lynch films. <laughs> but yeah, I do hope to I think I'm not super confident in storytelling in terms of writing a story, but I'd absolutely love to illustrate for somebody else one day. That would be amazing to be a graphic novel artist. But it's just finding the time as well, isn't it? It's something that I'd mm. obviously want to do well. And I think I'm constantly mentally storing. I've just read the most incredible um, example of comic book making and storytelling and art, um, one that I picked up that, I'd asked for a few recommendations on Instagram and it's called My Favourite Thing is Monsters by Emile Ferris. Okay. And it's just, it's like this massive, meaty, really big, thick comic, but um, it's all in biro and there's no real structure. There's not necessarily panels. It's just like everything kind of exposed out the page. The storytelling is perfect. It's almost daunting when something like that exists, like thinking, what is the point of me making a comic when this perfect comic exists? But yeah, I'd really recommend that to anybody. And it's it's not really necessarily a horror comic. It's a, mm. I don't know, it feels almost kind of um, autobiographical, but it's not. It's about this young girl who's obsessed with uh, B-movie horror films. It's set in the 60s in America, and she's kind of isolated in school and doesn't have many friends. So she creates these kind of fancy scenarios where she's a werewolf and she's trying to solve crimes in the building that she lives in. But it's just so perfect that, you know, yeah. things like that make me think, what could I do that would actually add to the genre? <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of get that. So, I, I mean, I I made, I made a comic uh, this year, released it this year, um, oh, nice. called Potatropy, which is about the character which I draw called Potato Boy. Um, and it was very, it's, in a way, it's kind of like single panel. It's not really sequential story based um but it is whenever i was making it because it, it took me took me like two years doing it on and off and you don't realize how long it takes like you know it's going to be a big job but you never know quite how big it's going to be um and then yeah you do you kind of like you go to stars and you're looking around thinking well this person's essentially doing what i've done but better or <laughs> um how do, how do i get that and whenever i think of kind of like an idea for an, another comic i'm always kind of having to convince myself to do something and say well you know this person yes they've done something amazing and they've done something which i really want to do um but can i can i even challenge that or is it worth that 
Um, but I think, I don't know, I feel like you kind of have to, you have to do it anyway. I think it's not it's not a valid reason to not do things just because yeah. the thing exists in another way or somebody else has done it I think and also as you say like as with your work I think a comic a graphic novel or a comic can be anything really like it doesn't it can be all on one page it can you know there's no I think it's almost nice when things don't follow a traditional um structure in comics so you don't have to kind of set these really I suppose like the standard that I'm setting myself is based on these, you know, particular styles of comic and yeah. that it doesn't have to be that at all. So yeah, it's always worth just having a go at it because you never know what you're going to actually achieve until you start it. Yeah. And I, I think as well, like that, that becomes a thing. I think you see it quite a lot with people who've been doing art for co- quite a while. And I think your work's a great example because you do have such a bold, um, like confident approach to, to work because you, you, you're, you're drawing and, and developing kind of those, those kinds of icons, is that once you start making something is not to bend whatever you're making to what you think you should be making, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You, you kind of, you've got to dive in and go, okay, so this is what I want to make. It doesn't actually matter if people like it in the end. It doesn't matter if it's similar to what's out there or anything like that. It's just, no, this is what I'm making this is how I wanted to make it. Cause then you'd be, I think you'd be more satisfied with it. Definitely. I think it's really important to just try and, I think some of my favorite um, comics are where somebody who has just sort of really played to their strengths. Like mm. I've got another one here that I'll just quickly talk about by um, uh, artist called Emily Carroll. And yeah. it's another, it's very much a folk horror comic called through the woods. And it's one that I return to all the time. Cause it's just, but it's only really thin and small. But um, Emily is just amazing at storytelling and, you know, everything about the way that um, she compiles the um, the stories and uh, narrative is just so, it's just perfect. But it's not even that um, the illustrations are, you know, these kind of, they're not some of the, the best, you know, in terms of um, draftsmanship. They're really, really beautiful, but they're not necessarily about that. I think just the way that... Um, body horror is kind of depicted and you know like this kind of as you say you know that slow somehow there's like a slow burn even though it's a comic and you're turning pages there's a slow burn horror and the storytelling is just bang on and it's I think that's what makes things work I suppose when people um, whoever's making the comic realizes right this is what I'm really good at Mm. and like certain things can almost be secondary if you nail that one part of you know your strength so yeah I think with with comics as well you've got I think pace is a huge thing. I think I've, I've I've shown it to a couple of friends before who've said it takes them the same amount of time to read a comic as it would a traditional novel. You know, they, they look at it, they read the page, they look at everything like that. Whereas I, I, I watch it like I would a film and I kind of read the dialogue, my, my eyes scan the, the, the visuals and then I move on. And it, it's very much, I can read a comic in half the time. Um, and it's when you get someone who can, make a book which makes you slow down yeah and definitely. makes you really consider what you're looking at i think yeah that's a really powerful powerful trait like and like you say yeah it kind of overshadows in the sense of it doesn't matter if you you, you know your text is a little off or you mm-hmm. your sketch isn't as clean as you want it to be because it's like yeah you know you've you've managed to stop someone in their tracks and that's that's important. yeah and i think i think i think that's the kind of the value of creating visual work as well is is if you can manage to make someone stop, then you know you're succeeding overall. 
Yeah, I think like the pacing in graphic novels is just really, really clever and it informs a lot of other kind of media, I reckon. You know, I mean, we touched on Watchmen um, earlier and that comic, I think, it's really clear to see the way that some of the um, framing and, you know, just the pace and weird type of shot has been used and like been used as kind of like a template for filmmaking, I think. There's, considering what was it, early 80s, I think that comic was made. Mm. We looking at that, there's just so much in it that I think I would never have thought to perhaps, you know, have the camera down there or, you know, like have yeah. this person there in the frame. And yeah, there's just that sort of pacing on every level, be it with the actual text and the visuals. It's just so clever, I think, in comics. One of the things I love about it is a format. Yeah, and I think, that, I mean, that, that kind of goes back to what we were saying about doing what you want to do when you make yours because you don't know how it's going to inform other things if you suddenly start doing things of like a different way of making something or a different way of producing work um, when you put it out you never know what that's going to cause down the line so it could have a huge impact yeah true but i think that's a good point to round out on this before we lose connection again (laughs) (laughs) but thank you for coming to talk to me kim it's been lovely i enjoyed that thanks Good. Um, and obviously, uh, I'll leave some links and stuff so people can find your work. If there's anything specific, you can just send me, drop me a link. But otherwise, I hope you have a lovely day. And um, you. Thank you. We'll round this out, and that will be the end of that. I'll-